0: It's May 28th and this past week we learned about a Toronto couple that has decided to keep the gender of their child secret until he or she is ready to reveal that information for him or herself. My first question was, is that even possible? Can you do this? Don't you think that someone would spill the beans? Surely by the time this child goes to school, it'll be clear whether he or she is a boy or girl. Still, I think I understand what the parents are doing. Not so much to keep the gender a secret, but to try to raise their child in a gender-neutral environment. I just don't think it's possible. Boys are boys and girls are girls. And in a way, I have to think about this some more, but I don't think it's a good thing. A little boy needs to relate to his dad. A little girl needs to relate to her mom. That's how we learn to be males and females. But that's another issue. The real issue at hand, I think, is that most people don't really care whether they have a boy or a girl. But there was a study released last week that made me think otherwise. Apparently, researchers have found out that in the last 30 years there have been some 12 million girls aborted in India. Yes, these are abortions that take place because parents don't want daughters. Now, this has been an argument against abortion on demand. If we give people the choice to end their pregnancies for any reason, then they will end their pregnancies for, well, for any reason. And gender selection is as good a reason. Most of the 40 million abortions that take place around the world every year are of girls. Because in some cultures, parents would rather have boys. Gives new meaning to the notion that abortion is a woman's issue. On second thought... Perhaps it is a good idea to keep our children's gender secret. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this is Salt and Light Radio. Hello and welcome to Salt and Light Radio. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and sitting here with me is Matrenko. Hey Chris hey Dometrenko. Chris, so, so uh, what are the news this week? Well, we're going to be talking
1: about a significant anniversary uh-huh. There's not a lot that's 400 years old in North America. No. But uh, this is a very important anniversary for the church. Also talking about a renewal that's going on in Rome, a very important general assembly that was happening. And, uh, and there was a World Day of Prayer that the Pope announced for China. Right, and that was right. this past week. Of course, it's not too late to pray for that. No, nope. and uh,
0: and I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. Okay, great. So more details on mm-hmm. those stories very very shortly. And today, Chris Giardino returns with his DVD picks. And Chris, you know the world did not end last weekend, so uh, I heard. But you know there were there have been a lot of natural disasters, the tornadoes and. And floods particularly, we've been looking at the floods here in Canada and Manitoba. Mm -hmm. So in the second half of the program, we're going to be speaking with Archbishop James Weisgerber of Winnipeg about how the flooding um, has affected his community. And uh, we're very excited today. Also, we are going to be speaking with John Michael Talbot. He's going to join us for a featured chat. He has a new album, Worship and Bow Down. Um, It's not uh, released yet, but it's coming coming soon, dropping Mm. soon. Um, So here now is uh, Hail Mary from that same album. Was John Michael Talbot with Hail Mary from his new album, Worship and Bow Down? John Michael is going to be with us in the second half of the program. And in about 15 minutes, DVD picks with Chris Giardino. But first, Chris is still here with our news. There's an anniversary. Yes, Pedro. 400 years ago, a boat reached
1: a trading post in Nova Scotia on the east coast of what would become canada yeah. and its passengers would forever change north american history especially for the church in 1611 two french jesuits arrived in port royal and they brought with them the missionary zeal of the jesuits as well as an educational legacy that remains in north america yeah. today now that landing of the jesuits was reenacted last sunday in port royal nova scotia the lieutenant governor of the province, kind of like, um, I guess you could say, like the queen's representative Mm -hmm. for the province. She was present for the celebration, as was the Archbishop of Halifax. And also addressing the celebration was a leader of the Mi'kmaq First Nations community. Grand Chief Captain Denny recalled how when those first Jesuits arrived, they actually stayed for two years in the Mi'kmaq Aboriginal community there and depended on the hospitality of those people. And he wants those ties to continue. He asked the Jesuits for help today to assist the Mi'kmaq First Nations in preserving their language, which is in danger of extinction. So um, uh, so that was a major, major event for the church, and the Jesuits continue their 400-year celebrations throughout the year.
0: And we're going to be hearing a little bit more about that later on with our diocesan update. Jenna's going to bring us a little... uh, Uh, testimony from someone, a Jesuit scholastic, who was there. Oh, fantastic.
1: Now, uh, going over to Rome, there's a significant general assembly and that's for Caritas Internationalis. They're in the midst of reviewing their statutes and coming up with a plan of action for the next four years. Caritas is is a network of humanitarian and social justice agencies. And uh, there were four speeches by Vatican officials. Now, this is kind of unprecedented for a General Assembly of Caritas considering it's principally an organization entrusted to the laity. And those four speeches were by Cardinal Peter Turkson from the Pontifical Council for Justice and Peace, um, Cardinal Tartissio Bertone from the Secretary of State. A whole slew of, of top Vatican names were there and some commentators were saying that their messages seemed to be coordinated to stress particular points. One of them was that Caritas should work more closely with the Vatican, and become better integrated in the Church's mission and overall social justice efforts. And also, uh, this is interesting, Pedro, uh, they wanted to stress that charity is a form of evangelization. Now in no way do they mean that they should be giving out Bibles with bags of rice, especially Mm -hmm. in places where Christians face persecution, but uh, they were promoting the idea that those who work for Caritas should engage in their mission with both a consciousness that they are transmitting the love of God, while recognizing the religious dimensions of the people they serve. So it's a it's a it's an anthropology that needs yeah. to be be lived out in this kind of work. Makes and sense. Cardinal Bertone, at the Secretariat of State, um, he had a great line. He said that the Church must not only practice charity, but practice it as Christ did. I thought that was very well put. Mm-hmm. Now, uh finally Pedro, Tuesday was the day of prayer for the church in China. And Pope Benedict inaugurated this day back in 2007. And uh when he announced uh when he announced this, well, it was already planned, but when he spoke about this at the general audience last week, he said that Catholics, all Catholics around the world have a duty to pray for the church in China. So if you haven't done so, um you can you can still do so. And you can go to the Salt and Light blog, that's saltandlighttv.org slash blog, and you can find the particular prayer that Pope Benedict had composed for this. Now, the prayer is actually addressed to Our Lady of Sheshan, hmm. who was venerated at the Marian Shrine of Sheshan in Shanghai. The prayer asked that Our Lady would sustain Chinese Catholics in their trials, give them courage to proclaim the faith and help them cling to the rock of Peter on which the church is built. And uh, news this week really shows the need to pray for China. Um, Some people say because of this call for prayer in China, that's one reason why the Chinese government has restricted access to this Marian shrine in Shenzhen. And apparently even uh, a number of priests who were attempting to go to the shrine were arrested.
0: Yeah, well, that's good to know. We will continue praying for China. Thank you, Chris. Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light Radio news producer. Remi- a reminder to our listeners, let us know what you think about what you hear on this program. Send us an email, radio at org. You're listening
1: to Salton Light Radio on the Catholic channel on Sirius XM.
0: My name is Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Coming up, Jesuits celebrate 400 years of arriving in Canada. But first... Saint of the Week, with Lawrence.
2: Hey, Pedro. Okay, so, uh, this Monday, May 30th, it's the feast day of St. Joan of Arc. Okay. So, she's a well-known saint. Good um, French saint. But I'll tell you about her anyways, yep. in case you don't know. She was born in 1412 in eastern France to a pious peasant family. Uh-huh. Um, she was deeply religious, and it was even uh, said to have heard voices, the voices of St. Michael the Archangel, St. Catherine, and St. Margaret, okay, at so a young she age.
0: heard voices. Yeah, and so apparently
2: <laughs> no. these, these messages... Uh, were personal, but fairly general at first, and then came so-called big message. Uh-huh. Um, so in May 1428, so if you're doing the math, she was 16. Uh-huh. She heard the voice of St. Michael, the archangel, telling her um, to intensify her spiritual life and to liberate her people, so the people of France. The, okay. Um, so she went to the king of France at the time, it was Charles Seventh, and told him that she wanted him to reconquer France. Because at this time, um, the king of England, wanted, he wanted to take over France and also the Duke of Burgundy, which famous uh, French red wine, Burgundy. Um, so he was siding with the king of England against his own king. So he was a traitor. Um, okay. So she wanted to side with the king of France to fight <laughs> this duke, this French duke. Ag- and, and, and England. And England to get France back into the hands of the Okay, king. didn't you have parents? <laughs> She did have parents, yes. Okay, (laughs) just 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 wondering. Okay, okay. So she's she's very independent.
0: She's sixteen. She hears voices.
2: She hears Saint Michael. Saint Michael,
0: and she goes to the king. Uh,
2: Right. Okay, I got it. So okay, so despite opposition, obviously from her parents, from probably her parents (laughs) and some clergy, um, and royal court officials, um, uh, the king of France gave her a small army, and with it, she she fought several successful battles throughout France. So this is she's seventeen at this point. And this is a girl in the fifteenth century,
0: and the the king so actually gave crazy. her an army. Yeah, he, a small army. He's crazy. Okay. a small army, right? All She's right, a girl. Okay. Yeah, yeah, all right.
2: Okay, and so so thanks to her these victories, the king of France was able to go to Reims um, and get c- crowned, the king of France. Uh, so basically, the, the cathedral in Reims is traditionally the site where kings were crowned. So this was a big deal, and so she was by his side when this happened. Okay. Um, thanks to all these battles that she won. But she won. But unfortunately, she was captured by the Burgundians and sold to the English and shipped to another French city uh, where she was tried by uh, church officials, including the local bishop. So, okay, this is a bit of an aside, but important. At this time, the, lots of stuff, crazy stuff was happening in the church. Yeah. There was a pope and two anti-popes okay, at this yes. time. Yeah. So, so we had three
0: Three po- three, Yeah, th- yeah okay. Three, so potentially this was, three popes. This was that yeah.
2: famous, that infamous period in the Catholic Church okay, when we had three yeah, popes. Yeah. St. Joan of Arc. Um a little confusing. Yeah, so there was a lot of issues, and basically, clergy, a lot of clergy acted more like politicians than priests, unfortunately. Mm. So she was condemned to death as a heretic, uh, sorceress, and adulteress. Um, Interesting. Basically, yeah, because she wouldn't take back her assertion that the saints made her do what she did mm-hmm. and fight against. Uh, the Duke and the King of England. Yeah. Um, so she, yeah, it's at age nineteen, she was burned at the stake, hmm. and in 1920, so a long, a long time later, yeah. she was canonized by Pope Benedict the Fifteenth. Okay. And so, uh, makes sense. She's the patron of soldiers, and of France. And so, I just want to finish with these words of Pope Benedict the Sixteenth, our current Pope, um, from his general audience just this past January. He was uh-huh. talking about Saint Joan of Arc. Right. This, yeah. this is him. Dear brothers and sisters, with her luminous witness, St. Joan of Arc invites us to a high standard of Christian living, to make prayer the guiding motive of our days, to have full trust in God's will, whatever it may be, to live charity without favoritism, without limits, and drawing, like her, from the love of Jesus, a profound love for the Church.
0: Well, there you have it. St. Joan of Arc Feast Day is Monday, May 30th. Wow. Could, would make a good movie. Okay, wait. There is a movie. <laughs> there is. Yeah. Thank you, Lawrence. Lawrence, our saint expert, Lawrence Flucot. he's going to be back in about 10 minutes with our programming highlights for the week, so stay tuned.
3: You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM.
0: You can download our podcast at saltandlighttv.org slash radio and also off iTunes. And coming up, Our suggestions for movies to watch. But first, here is Jenna. Jenna's back with our diocesan update.
3: Hello, Pedro. It's been a while. Yeah,
0: you're back, though. Glad to be back. Good.
3: Well, I'm going to go right into it here with uh, spring upon us in full swing. I always think Mother's Day, Father's Day, but I also think confirmation season is coming up. So Pentecost means confirmation, but... It's confirmation not only for the confirmandi, what a word, but uh-huh. it, it uh-huh. actually is confirmandi. but it's also for the church. It's Pentecost for us, too. Right. So it's a time when we really should be preparing for the descent of the Spirit. And uh, that brings me to my next point. If you're in Toronto, you might want to join... Our Lady of Good Counsel Church for the Novena to the Holy Spirit that begins on June the 3rd. They want you to bring your loved ones and your friends, and they're having the 90s of prayer with Holy Mass every day, praise and worship with spirited music. Mm-hmm. Uh, the speakers include Bishop Pierce Lacey okay. and Reverend Peter Coughlin. Coughlin? Coughlin. Sorry. The speakers include Bishop Pierce Lacey and Reverend Peter Coughlin. Okay. Yes. So for more information, you can visit Our Lady of Good Counsel Parish Office, their website, or call the office. Okay. And the Diocese of Vancouver is putting major focus on praying for vocations. In fact, this past Vocation Sunday, or Good Shepherd Sunday, the Archbishop blessed a special monstrance that will be traveling around yes. each parish in the diocese. Yes. So they're really putting the push on, and uh, the Lord's going to listen, I think. So they're having a, an adoration session on June the 4th. They're calling it The Source and the Summit Adoration for Vocations. That's June the 4th at 7pm at St. Patrick Parish in Vancouver, and that's sponsored by the Office for Youth and Young Adult Ministries, as well as CCO. So you might want to catch that if you're in the Vancouver area.
0: Yeah, nice, important event.
3: I think so, too. So next, we're traveling across the country to Nova Scotia, my home and native land. Mm. Uh, This year, the area commemorates a very special anniversary. This event is significant not only for Nova Scotia, but also for the church, for the Jesuits, and also for the native community. Uh I spoke with a Jesuit seminarian earlier this week, Santiago Rodriguez, who has just returned from the celebrations. Welcome, Santiago. Thanks for joining us.
4: Oh, thank you very much.
3: So tell me, what were you celebrating in Nova Scotia last week?
4: We celebrated on May the 22nd, the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first two Jesuits to Canada. And therefore, we were celebrating the mission of the Society of Jesus in Canada for the last four centuries.
3: Four centuries. What is the, this obviously would have a major impact on the, the life of the Catholic Church in Canada. What, what is the importance of this milestone in particular for us Canadians, the Church?
4: Well, it illustrates the ministry of Jesuits in Canada, but along that, it, it tells more about the mission of the church in Canada with uh, you know, our dialogue with the natives, the way we have ministered to people, uh, men and women from different backgrounds and cultures throughout four centuries. So it speaks through um, this anniversary, the importance of the message of the gospel and the proclamation of that message in, the, in Canada for the last 400 years.
3: It was really interesting to read up on what the Jesuits were actually immediately involved with back then. Some of them were even cartographers. They would draw the maps, and they would be responsible not only for evangelizing, but for developing the land culturally as well. What is some of the work that the Jesuits do today? I know you're involved with a lot of ministries.
4: Yeah, well, today we have Jesuits who are involved in education, uh, Jesuits who are involved in the giving of the spiritual retreats, uh, spiritual direction, the giving of the spiritual exercises, Jesuits who are scientists. We have some even here in Toronto who are part of um, research at uh, universities. We have guests who are part of um, historical research and men who are just involved with social justice and other ministries of that sort.
3: Are there any other upcoming events that we can look forward to, the public? We have some events which are coming up
4: uh, throughout the summer. Um, Some of them are all... yeah, in the website for the um, Society of Jesus, which are, is www.jesuit.ca. Um, some of them have to do with the exhibition that the Archive of the Jesuits in Canada is putting. Uh, the exhibition is currently in Port Royal, and it will be there until June the 13th, and then it will be in Shawinigan, Quebec, and later on in Montreal and
3: Midland. Excellent. So anyone in those areas can check out these exhibitions throughout the summer. That's correct. Excellent. Well, thank you for joining us today, Santiago. No Thank you so much and have a great day. That was Jesuit Seminary in Santiago Rodriguez. And that's all for this week, Pedro.
0: Well, thank you very much, Jenna. Um, A reminder to our listeners, let us know about an event in your community. Email us, radio at saltandlighttv.org.
2: You're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic Channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara
0: Man. Remember that you can follow us on Facebook and on Twitter. And now it's time for... Hi, Movie Picks with Chris Giardino. Chris, welcome back. Hi, Pedro. So, so Mao's Last Dancer.
5: Yes, uh, this is a film directed by Bruce Barris for the acclaimed... Australian director who did the Canadian film Black Robe back in the 80s.
0: Oh, really? Okay, yeah.
5: Yeah, and what this chronicles is the journey of Lee Kungsen, who when he was 11 years old was plucked out of the rural provinces of China uh, during Mao's Cultural Revolution to go to Beijing to Madame Mao's Dance Academy. Uh-huh. Um, there he becomes a very, you know, initially he resists it, but he becomes a very celebrated ballet artist and uh-huh. dancer in, um, in China. During a rare cultural exchange, he comes over to join the Houston Ballet, um, under the tutelage of Ben Stevenson, the Houston Ballet's artistic director. Right. And what the film chronicles is his journey both physical to this new country, but also his emotional or spiritual journey, where he starts to question all of the propaganda he's been taught by the Communist Party dogma all of his life.
0: Mm-hmm.
5: Um, and it's a very touching story. Again, he has, you see his trials and tribulations. He gets married very quickly because he wants to defect. Um, the marriage doesn't last. There's a lot of tension. He ends up, <clears throat> excuse me, he ends up certainly becoming more of a success than the uh, woman he's married to who's also part of the company, okay. which causes a lot of stress. But what ultimately happens is he wants to stay in America, and the whole film ends up, the, the climax starts at the Chinese consulate, um, where he goes there and he wants to be able to stay. And what they do is say that if he does that, he can never go back to his uh, birthland. Right. and the whole film climaxes in a standoff. Um, the film, it, it's the downside is it has a very low budget. I believe it was 25 uh, million Australian. Um, okay. So you're not going to see lots of big epic scenes or whatnot, but on a thematic level, it is very, uh, it's an important film, a story that we don't see very often these days. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly uh, a film that portrays the West in a very positive light, perhaps somewhat a bit too rosy, okay. but it's also seen from his perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, so you see his trials and tribulations. Uh, and of course, there's some very good performances in it from Bruce Greenwood, Kyle McLaughlin, Joan Chen, and uh, it, it's a very good film that I think a lot of your listeners would it'd be worth checking out. Yeah,
0: is it the kind of film that, and I, I don't mean this despectively, but does it feel like a foreign film?
5: No, not at all, actually. Okay. It, it actually doesn't feel like a foreign film at all. And I know what you mean. It, uh, uh, But no, it doesn't. This is a film that is totally accessible uh, to even a family audience, okay. um, certainly to you know older children and, and whatnot. Uh, a good history lesson. It's not yeah. the most complicated version of the story. Mm-hmm. It probably is, is a bit black and white. But it, it, it certainly pulls on your emotions. If you can envision a, um, a version of Rocky with ballet,
2: okay. so that is sort of
5: like the under, underlying tone and feel of the film.
0: And for people who are ballet lovers, is, are there good ballet scenes? Definitely, yes. Okay, so this is, instead of the black swan, watch Mao's Last Dancer. <laughs> now, I was, um, I was away, and my, my kids rented the Green Hornet, and I was kind of glad that they rented it without me. Yeah. And, and then my, you know, I have a 14-year-old and a 12-year-old, and they hated it. So, okay. <laughs> so what's your take?
5: Yeah, it's a real missed opportunity. Obviously, you know, uh, directed by acclaimed music video director, Michelle Gondry, who's become a very celebrated um, film director in his own right, uh-huh. uh, and starring and co-written by Seth Rogen, the star of Knocked Up, who's very popular with uh-huh. uh, probably your children. Um, but yep. again, it, take, it follows the story of Britt Reed, who's the heir to his father's uh, newspaper magnet company. and When his father gets killed, he sets it to avenge his death against the local crime boss and through the uh, you know, trappings and the, the use of his money and his loyal uh, trusty uh, sidekick Cato becomes the Green Hornet. Yeah. Um, on the plus side, it has a lot of really neat gadgets, a lot of neat technology, but what the film never really does, it doesn't really merge the older aesthetic of the radio drama of the Green Hornet with a more modern sensibility. On the one hand, Cato is very engaging and does all of the uh, the stunt work and the action, yeah, and comes yeah, up yeah. with all the, uh, the technology, but uh, Seth Rogen almost seems too modern for this story. Uh, he, there was a lot of publicity about how he lost weight to, to portray the Green Hornet, and he, and he certainly looks the role, but there's a certain amount of he just doesn't take it seriously. He seems to be playing it more like the, the 60s version that was a spin-off from the old Batman TV series. Okay. So it, with all the superhero movies out there, um, you could certainly do a lot better than the Green Hornet. And Not the worst thing you could find, but more just forgettable and mediocre.
0: Okay, so it's not, not worth the $5 DVD rental. No, probably not. Okay, so try to get it for free.
5: (laughs) Or just take a trip and see Thor (laughs) if you want to. Oh,
0: okay. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, that's good. Uh, The take on the Green Hornet. Go see Thor. I like it. Okay, well, thank you very much, Chris Giardino. So that's Mao's last answer. Yeah. Great film for the whole family. Yeah. Green Hornet, not such a great film, but... For anyone. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, thank you very much, Chris. Not a problem. Thank you, Pedro. Chris Giardino, our movie expert. He's going to be back in about three weeks uh, or so. So in the meantime, happy movie watching.
6: Hi, I'm JS Plana
7: And I'm Brian Berg from the group Psalm 98. And you're listening to Salt and Light Radio on the Catholic
0: channel on Sirius XM. I'm Pedro Guevara man. If you want to know what we look like, you should go to our website, saltandlighttv.org. Here now is Lawrence with our programming highlights for the week.
2: Hey Pedro. All right, Wednesday, June 1st, we have the Salt and Light documentary, "Children of the Bate," at 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. This documentary, as you know, you've seen it, yeah, um, is on a Canadian, is about a Canadian parish that organized a week-long uh, mission to help the children of the Bate and. Dominican Republic.
0: Yeah, so these are the Bates are, are uh, uh, places where a lot of Haitian refugees, yeah. people from Haiti, end up in the Dominican that's Republic because right. life in Haiti is not very good. So it's an d- interesting look at, uh, at, at at that community and of course of the work that this parish uh, right. uh, is doing to help them. So yeah, Do so that's the Bate? Yeah, it's a good yeah. one.
2: Wednesday, so that's Wednesday, June 1st, mm-hmm. 8 p.m. Eastern, 9 Pacific. And then the next day, Thursday, June 2nd. We have the papacy of reason inside right. the mind of Benedict the Sixteenth, at mm. 8:30 p.m. Eastern, 9:30 Pacific. This is a, a documentary from Rome Reports, okay. um, and it ex- basically just explores the papacy of Benedict the Sixteenth and and who he is as a person as well.
0: Okay, good. So that's the papacy of reason inside the mind of Benedict the Sixteenth on Thursday, June the second, at 8:30 p.m., 9:30 Pacific.
2: Okay, and we also have a big papal event. Yeah, this this coming the weekend. Holy Father's going yeah, to Croatia. He's going to Croatia, June fourth and June fifth, mm-hmm. Saturday and Sunday. So there's lots of events we're covering, um, all of it. Uh, best to go to our website, org and click on papal events. But some of the highlights there's um, the prayer vigil on the Saturday, June the fourth, at one thirty p.m. Eastern, ten thirty Pacific. That's live. Great. And then on the Sunday, the big mass is going to be at 7 a.m. Eastern. That's 4 a.m. Pacific live. And these are all going to be repeated in the evenings.
0: Okay, I see. So those are the two main events, but there's going to be other coverage of the trip. So if people want right. to find out with more detail, they should go to our website, saltonlighttv.org And that's also the website where you need to go if you're outside our broadcasting area. Don't fret. You can still watch all our programming at Salt and Light TV. Org. Um, coming up in our second half hour, uh, how is the flooding in Manitoba affecting the uh, the community there? A conversation with Archbishop James Weisgerber of Winnipeg and also a featured chat with John Michael Talbot. So don't go anywhere. Welcome to Salt and Light Radio Part 2. I'm Pedro Guevara Mann. Now for the last month or so, we've been hearing about floods. In the southern US, estimates are that floods have affected some 3.6 million acres of farmland. In Quebec, floodwaters have reached record highs and more than 3,000 homes have been flooded. Meanwhile, in Manitoba, where the decision to allow for a controlled release of water was major news last week, the waters are now retreating. And it doesn't seem to be news anymore, but still, thousands of people, cannot return to their homes. And to speak to us about how these events have impacted his community, here now is the Archbishop of Winnipeg, the Most Reverend James Weiss-Gerber. Archbishop Weiss-Gerber, welcome to Salt and Light Radio. Thank
7: you, Pedro. It's a pleasure to be
0: with you. No, it's, it's great to have you. Um, now, you, you were born in the prairies uh, in, in Saskatchewan. You, you lived in the prairies most of your life. You were the Bishop of Saskatoon. Now you're the Archbishop of Winnipeg. Every year, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but there are floods in the prairies every year.
7: Yes. How, yes, and how, particularly in Winnipeg.
0: So, how bad have the floods been this year?
7: Well, in, in point of fact, they say the, the worst in 300 years. Really? Yeah. Now, you know, Winnipeg or Manitoba, the Red River uh-huh. runs north and south. It's one of the few rivers in the world that runs from the south to the north. So, all of the river from all the all of the water from North Dakota, Minnesota, and all those areas all comes up here, and uh, you know, the the city of Winnipeg has been protected by a, a, a spillway, uh-huh. so it's all rerouted around the. So and it tends to flood then on the the north side of the, well the south side and the north side of the city. But the city is not uh, it, it, this now is no longer affected very very much. But the red was not the problem this
0: year. No, the Assiniboine. It's
7: the Assiniboine, and that that generally has not been a problem, and it's been just an astronomical problem this year because and 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 so the. You know the the people along the red on the river running north and south. They're used to this and they they know how to protect themselves and and they they kind of know what to expect. Right. Whereas with the Assiniboine, it was it was really a, a whole new ball game. They were all in new territory. Right. So all of this water is coming from Saskatchewan and it all ends up the Capel River and into the Assiniboine River, which was already filled to capacity in the fall. Right. We had lots of snow. Lots more water coming, and uh, so it—it it, it really, really has been uh, a, a pretty big of a, a disaster. Now, in the city, of course, uh-huh. um, people's lives—you know and three quarters of the population of Manitoba lives in Winnipeg. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the lives of the people living in Winnipeg has not been affected. I mean, but in Brandon, and Portage la Prairie, yeah. and uh, Saint-Lazare, all in, uh, many, many, many small communities. And larger communities have had a terrible, terrible time.
0: Right now, the idea when they uh, the, of the intentional breach of the dike—I uh, believe it was just in, in Portage la Prairie.
7: It was near Portage la Prairie. This great, famous hoop and hauler. bend. Yeah. Um, now I was just out there for confirmation on Sunday. As a matter of fact, okay, so I, I, I was talking to all of the people there. Uh, I mean, there was a, a, a lot of emotion around there because basically they were. They were going to open the like it's a diversion. It, it already takes water out of the Cinnabon River uh-huh. north to uh, Lake uh, uh, Manitoba. Yeah, and uh, uh, and that they they wanted to take more water off of that. Uh-huh. And in order to do that, they were going to breach the dike of the diversion. And uh, in order, then, and they recognized that they would sacrifice about 150 homes okay. to save 850 homes.
0: Okay, and but that didn't happen, right? Well, they did
7: breach homes- the, 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 the the dike, but in fact, the water has subsided so that they've now so reclosed the-, the dike. Now, some—I don't think any. They, they, most of the houses that were going to be impacted were diked, and I don't think any of them have been have, have lost anything. But the 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 much of the land in that area has been inundated, and in the long run, I mean, I think there's the, this is going to be the, the 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 long run difficulty with all of this is the. Uh, the inundation of the water because it's got nowhere to go and it'll just stay there and uh, right. so and and then you know again with this diversion going up to lake uh, manitoba uh... uh the, the lakes are are much much higher than they've ever been and the people live along the lakes especially
0: yeah. aboriginal
7: communities okay and when the wind begins to blow i mean you're just defenseless
0: right you know
7: they it can come up three feet or three meters right. rather and go right over the dikes and. And this is going to last for a long, long time, so there's so many people that are going to be impacted, because the water just keeps coming, and of course the, the exit of the lake, which is farther up north,
2: uh-huh.
0: is
7: very small, and so this water is going to be there for a long time.
0: So how, how does this affect, uh, I guess, the church and how you respond pastorally to the needs of the people? they are very specific needs, and I guess throughout the summer.
7: Yeah, uh, well, I mean, in, in, you know, the, the I think uh, there's an, a couple of things. I mean, people uh, they have needed assistance in diking and in, um, you know, uh, the, the one of the things that uh, the people in Portage were uh-huh. really exuberant about was the presence of the army and the yes. wonderful, wonderful uh, um, people and the, the kindness of the soldiers and the joy that the soldiers brought. Yeah. I I the idea that the... Uh, the military should be going around all over doing this because, they, <laughs> you know, people really don't know who the army is, but suddenly they see faces on them and they're lovely people. Interesting. And so that, and so, they, I mean, that was, but they needed to be fed. Yeah. And so people were, you know, uh, I mean, people I was talking to on Sunday, I mean, I'm not so sure that like parishes organize, but communities organize okay. and parishes feed people into that.
0: Yeah,
7: And uh, creating food and, uh, and people need um i mean some people needed uh uh you know places to stay and uh right. as a matter of fact uh we had to cancel our uh our diocesan priest retreat this year because the oh. the uh or the institution that we used uh, was, uh, was a commandeer for people who were evacuated, so, and mostly aboriginal people right. from one of the reserves up north. So we weren't able to use it.
0: So how are things now? Are people still being evacuated, or are people uh, um, allowed to return?
7: Well, or so? I mean, not, there's not much returning yet. No? Um, I think um, people that were on standby and all of that, I think some of that has been lifted. But uh, this is going to go on for a long, long, long time, especially as the water, you know, it, like it keeps moving, and
0: uh-huh. uh,
7: especially around the two large lakes, which, uh, which are in the center of Winnipeg.
0: Yeah. Uh, there's
7: going to be people there that are, are, are still going to have to be impacted. Right. And, and one of the huge problems is that so much of the, uh, the land on the Indian reserves, uh-huh. uh, the native reserves, are. Um, uh, you know they're in areas that flood so easily and, and 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 all the time. And I mean, there's already such a problem with housing, and right. uh, um, this is going to create. I mean, they're they're talking about you know moving people,
0: Reloading. and uh,
7: so and this creates huge difficulties.
0: Yeah. Wow. So well, we'll um, we've been keeping your community in our prayers. I mean, the whole province and even Saskatchewan as well. And I mean, everybody's see- there seems to be so many more natural disasters. Yes, um, and
7: you know, the amazing thing is when you live on the prairies, that in August we could be looking for rain. Really? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that the water's here, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it, uh, we it need rain, rain eventually. Yeah. <laughs> because we're, you know, we're an agricultural province yeah, you and are. The, the, the floods, uh, I mean, the, the areas that are flooded probably won't be seeded. And in, certainly in, in the, what they call the interlake area, yeah. this is about the fourth year that they're not going to be able to, to plant because there's been just too much water.
0: Yeah, and I guess that impacts the community greatly as well, the whole country in a way.
7: It, well, the future of farming, the families, the, the, the yeah. smaller communities, uh, kind of a, you know, a kind of a depression sets in because people have to make so many decisions. And agriculture is, um, is such a it's at such a juncture, you know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. it, 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 it seems that smaller farmers just don't have a future. You know, it's got to become real a real industry.
0: Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, Archbishop Weisgerber, will be keeping you in our prayers, you and your community in our prayers. And thank you for joining us today. Okay, thanks, Pedro. That was Archbishop James Weisgerber of Winnipeg. Here now is John Michael Talbot with Worship and Bow Down.
8: saves us into his courts with praise
0: was John Michael Talbot with the title track of his new album, Worship and Bow Down. Now, I don't need to spend too much time introducing John Michael Talbot. He has been featured on Salt and Light Radio before, and we have played his music, but never, never as a featured artist. And while I've met him many times and interviewed him twice for our TV program, Catholic Focus, I've never interviewed him on Salt and Light Radio. Last I spoke to him, his community was recovering from a fire that took the common building and the chapel of the little portion hermitage where he lives with his community of brothers and sisters of charity. Now, out of the fire, John Michael, literally out of the fire, John Michael has been busier than ever with over 150 concert dates last year and the same number program for this year, plus two new books, and, as if that's not enough... John Michael teamed up with Oregon Catholic Press for a new album. We've been listening to it, Worship and Bow Down, ready to drop on June 21st. So we have a lot to talk about, and John Michael Talbot joins me now on the phone. John, welcome to Sultan Light Radio.
6: Thank you. It's good to be back.
0: So you know what? I was thinking, it wasn't the last time uh, we spoke, but I think the time before we, uh, we did an interview for Catholic Focus, and I distinctly remember you saying that you felt that God was telling you that John Michael Talbot must die, and that that was going to be the end of the music, and now we have a new album. So what's up with that? Well, I mean, in a sense, I've gone
6: through a death and resurrection. I went into more intense reclusion and solitude. And then after a few years of that, um, uh, it was like the Lord was saying, well, okay, I've given you all this. Now I want you to share it. So... (laughs) i've gone from paul the hermit to paul the apostle <laughs> in terms of models uh... i'm in my pauline mode and uh... just busier uh... you know than i've ever been and feeling great basically since uh... well oh, i guess the last two years or so in the united states people have been terribly discouraged right. and depressed and yeah. it's because of the sex scandals in the church it's because of the recession it's because of political polarization,
0: Mm
6: -hmm. Um, folks are just, you know, they're discouraged. So I think this is a time to go out and share good news, to give people faith and hope, uh, to give them some peace. And uh, so we go into parishes now uh, with one- to three-night events, Uh and I'm doing a combination of music, motivational speaking, Leading people into deep meditation and calling them to conversion, and we are just seeing uh, an overwhelming response uh, among Catholics because, quite frankly, Catholics aren't real used to having this kind of ministry in
0: their no, parish. No, that's
6: true. And 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 so Pedro, we we wanted, you know, we have the New Roman Missal yeah. coming uh, in Advent, and I got inspired to set it to music. Okay. Uh, And I went to Oregon Catholic Press, because they're the largest publisher of Catholic music, Right. Uh, and I said, "Um, you interested? And they said, yeah, but we want you to do a new setting of Psalm 95, we'd Uh, like you to do a Hail Mary, we'd like you to do a Eucharistic communion song that blends the notion of reception of the Eucharist with adoration of the Eucharist, because especially with a lot of younger Catholics that are kind of neoconservative, and they haven't really had a chance to have their theology deepen yet. Uh They want fundamentals, but they haven't gone deep, and so they're they're subtly separating the adoration of the Eucharist from the reception of the Eucharist. So I did a a Eucharistic song using some of the language of St. Bonaventure from the 13th century, and so, uh, and then I, I, the the mass, we used a contemporary chant setting, mm-hmm. which I'm real pleased with. It kind of brings together the ancient and the modern, the East and the West musically. And uh, the chant works really good because, you know, the new translation isn't all that singable in places. That's it's true. theologically specific.
0: That's true. But it's
6: hard to sing. That's true. So uh, the the chant really, really seem to be the way to go to make yeah. it work. And so I'm real pleased with it. I'm yeah, really no, it sounds it.
0: really good. We haven't been playing the Mass parts. We've been playing some of the other songs. But I, I certainly, I, I was going to ask you about that, about the Mass, but just a note for anyone that uh, might be tuning in at this time. You're listening to Salt and Light Radio. on Pedro Guevara, man. We're speaking with John Michael Talbot about his new album, Worship and Bow Down. Is it? Do you think it's a coincidence that it's a Mass? So this album that, in a, in a sense, is the first album since the fire and since this period of... Of, of reclusion because um, your first album in 1979 was also a mass. Do you think yeah. there's a connection there? A yeah, a lot of
6: people are saying that this is, that has the similar kind of sense of rebirth as the Lord's Supper. Yeah. I, I can't speak to that. I will tell you that I've been getting, you know, Christianity Today and and folks like that are reviewing the record and one of the the evangelical Protestant reviewers said, It seems that the Mass uh is a real is a real powerful thing for Talbot <laughs> And I felt like saying, Well yeah, dummy, I'm Catholic. <laughs> but, but uh it yeah. it uh it is true that through the years, you know, uh the Mass itself continues to be a source of, of inspiration and I continually Uh, Put the liturgical texts of the Eucharistic liturgy
0: to music, and
6: uh, I suspect I will do it until, yeah, you know, the day I stop composing.
0: Yeah, you and everybody else, because I mean, I I think I heard somebody once say that the 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 only real Catholic radio station is the Mass, because that's really when we really get to listen to true Catholic music.
6: Well, yeah, I guess yeah. I kind of agree with that.
0: Yeah, you
6: know, the other the other thing is is that we Catholics sometimes get almost obsessive about the Mass, mm-hmm. and we forget that there are other expressions of the faith, uh, both communally and privately, that are exceedingly important. They aren't mm-hmm. more important than the Mass, mm-hmm. but for instance, in Benedictine spirituality, yeah. the liturgy of the hours or the work of God is given the same language that the Church gives the Mass, namely it's the source and summit of Mm -hmm. our life. Mm -hmm. And that brings out that, uh, you know, the Catholic Church is big, and our prayer life is big, our evangelistic efforts are big, our social input is big, Uh, and and we want to be careful not to just limit it to one aspect or the other. But the Eucharist is definitely the absolute source and summit of the Catholic
0: experience. Absolute.
6: And so musically, it's great to reflect that.
0: Yeah. Let me ask you about the, the at least the two latest books, The Blessings of St. Benedict and The Universal Monk. Yeah. So these are uh, very much rooted in, in your monastic t- tradition, right?
6: Yes. Yeah. Yes, very much. And, you know, uh, in the book The Rise of Benedict the XVI, about the inner workings of the conclave, Mm -hmm. the author brings out that one of the Pope's uh, visions is to see the new communities of the Church become, as it were, laboratories where a uh, transcendent truth and values based on Christ and the Church are lived in a countercultural way. Okay. and we really feel that our community is a part of that movement. We are, people have been calling it the new monasticism. Okay. It's basically bringing the ancient monastic experience into the future and extending it from the ancient past into the modern experience. And it's more integrated. The, experience, the, 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 the forms of monasticism were just wide and varied in the early Church. Right. Now, the more we study, the more we realize that there wasn't just one way to do it. So uh, our community really is based on integrating celibate monks, celibate sisters, singles who can marry or might need to have some private property because of personal responsibilities, and then families in one integrated monastery. And then we have a domestic expression of men and women who live in their own homes. And, And, you know, down here in the States... You know, we spend a lot of time in Texas. Texas is the fastest-growing state in the United States, Uh and there's lots of Catholics there. So uh, down in Texas, everybody wants to be a monk, but nobody wants to give up their pickup truck. (laughs) 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 And, And so the domestic expression is a great way for folks to actually join the community, and yet they stay in their own family in the secular world, they become great sources of renewal in the parish, and they also become great sources of renewal in the society in which we live. Right. So, um, you know, the community is part of that. The books are coming out of that experience, mm-hmm. taking the ancient monastic heritage and really applying it to people of all states of life, whether they live in monasteries okay. or whether yeah. they associate with monasteries or whether they're just secretly monks in their heart.
0: Right. So, yeah. And...
6: Okay. Um, yeah and the blessings of Benedict, which is coming out at the end of the summer, is uh, is going through the rule of Saint Benedict and applying it to contemporary and modern life so it's a it's a bit of a challenge, you know I mean, how do you take a chapter on uh, disciplining children
0: mm,
8: <laughs>
6: in yeah. the rule of Benedict
0: yeah.
6: uh, and apply that to a modern setting so I think. I think I did it pretty successfully, and there's supposed to be short meditations on each chapter. It's not a big scholarly treatment. It's a very short application overview uh, based on scholarly studies that I've, of course, immersed myself in and read through the years.
0: Right. And so the Blessings of St. Benedict will be released at the end of the summer, and the Universal Monk is, is already out, correct? It's
6: out. It's and, out, and, and uh, Worship and Bow Down is available now for digital download. Right. And it'll come out as a CD uh, June 21st.
0: That's correct. So, um, And all that, people can just go to your website, johnmichaeltalbot.com, and they can find out how to order. They're ordered from you directly, or even the iTunes download, they can get it directly off your website. Correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. But, you
6: know, Pedro, through all of this, I don't want to sound like I'm just trying to sell my record or mm-hmm. my books. Mm-hmm. What's really happening is, I think, there's a great spiritual sense of rebirth. You know, when I first became a Catholic in 78, the Lord gave me a word. The Catholic Church is my first church. I love her most dearly, but she's been sick and nearly died, but I'm going to heal her and raise her up to new life again. Hmm. I'm sharing my testimony again as I travel, because I think that word is for us today. We are just coming through the greatest challenge which has faced the Catholic Church in the West since the Protestant Reformation, namely in the sex scandals. Yeah. And people are ready for good news. They've had bad news, bad news, bad news, bad news. They're ready for encouragement. And we need encouragement as we face the challenges, which are still going to be ahead of us.
8: Yeah. So...
6: uh you know, we are just experiencing a rebirth, so it's appropriate to call the Mass on this record the Mass of Rebirth, yeah. because, uh, I don't know, we are just, it's its rather phenomenal what we're experiencing as we um, take this ministry out uh, into the parishes around the United States. I think we're going to be coming up to Canada, too, a, a bit. We'd yeah. like to.
0: Yeah, no, that's the plan. I, I understand you're coming up in November, so into the, the Toronto area. So. Yeah we'll be there. Yeah, cool. Anyway, John, that's all, all right, man. That's all the time we have, but re- again, a reminder, the album Worship and Bow Down is going to be released on June 21st, but if you can't wait that long, it's available for digital download off iTunes. Go to johnmichaeltalbot.com for more information. John Michael Talbot. Thank you so much. It's been great to chat with you.
6: And, oh, uh, great. And I invite people to come to my Facebook page. We have right. nearly 2 million people a month going on the page. We have a daily conversation based on the gospel and Catholic news. So come and join me on faith, the John Michael Talbot page, not friend, but yes. John Michael Talbot page. Come join us.
0: Great. Well, thank you very much. John Michael Talbot, he joined us on the phone from Minneapolis where he is on tour. And now here is John Michael Talbot from the same album, Worship and Bow Down, with his song, Hind's Feet on High Places. Oh, a thousand
8: may fall at your side Ten thousand may fall at your right Your soul it will never approach For God is faithful Though the floods disappear from the pole And there be no herd in the storm I will rejoice in God my Savior For God, my God, is my strength And He makes my feet swift as those of highs God, my God, is my strength he makes me to go up by Heinz feet on high places
0: We're listening to John Michael Talbot with Heinzs feet on high places. And that will take us to the end of our program this week. Remember to check out our website, saltandlighttv.org slash radio. And remember that you can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Thank you for your support and your prayers. I'm Pedro Guevara Man, and this has been Salt and Light Radio.
8: will forsake her own child and children, their own family. So, with the days we'll not cut short, Would surely lose their own faith And so lose their salvation